Be delighted this holiday season at Ice and Lights, the winter village at Cameron Run. Just minutes from Old Town Alexandria. Stroll through the park and enjoy winter photo ops, light displays, hot chocolate, and a warm treat. The winter village offers playtime for the entire family. Extend the magic of the holidays by visiting early, starting November 17th. Get your tickets now at CameronIceandLights.com. That's CameronIceandLights.com. Hey, Cricket customers, Max with ads is included with your Cricket $60 unlimited plan at no additional cost. Nice. Max is the streaming platform where you can watch Scoob, Meg 2 The Trench, The Nightmare on Elm Street Collection, and so much more. Remember me. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. We've never seen this before. Max, the one to watch for a good scream with Cricket. Yeah. Phone plan, streams, and standard definition. Programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See cricketwireless.com for details. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. We're taking over. Now let's make our confession of faith together. I'm lifting my phone because that's where I got the Harvest Mobile app. The confession of faith is on the screen. Let's say it together. I'm ready to receive and fully submit to God's word, which is the lamp to my feet and the light to my path. In this year of fruitfulness, I will manifest good results in every area of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to go to this particular scripture. I want you to go here. Uh, go to Hebrews 10.36. We've looked at this scripture before. Hebrews 10.36. Hebrews 10.36. Hebrews. <laughs> Any coffee lovers, make some noise. I pray you not be addicted in Jesus. Some of y'all, we can tell when you ain't had your cup. I'm wrong with that. Mm. Hebrews 10.36. You have need of endurance. Such a name so you need to learn how to last. I rebuke the quitter in you. I rebuke the you that always looks for the easy way out and likes watch me and likes to blame other people. You have need of endurance. Say, I need endurance. So that when you or after you have done the will of God, you, you can get what's promised. Say, after I obey then I obtain. Say, it's not the other way around. Say, God does not serve me. I serve him. Father, take this message, customize it, tailor make it for us, your people. As we're in this last message in this series, Taboo Topics, I pray that you would now speak through me, answer every prayer, speak with clarity, speak with power now, that we will move and walk in the things you have ordained. We thank you that it is so now. In Jesus' name, say, Lord, I'm ready to receive. Uh, look at your neighbor on your left and your right. Here's what we're going to talk about today and just give them this declaration. Say it strong to them. Say, please don't be a Christian Satanist. 
You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Our series is Taboo Topics, which is something that's typically not talked about. Last Sunday, we learned this, that we're too blessed to stay stressed because we learned that stress in short bursts, which is called acute stress, is actually good for us. I'm going to say it's good for me. Because it helps us to avoid danger and to meet deadlines. But we learned last Sunday that chronic stress lasts longer and it can lead to many physical issues, a lot of physical ailments, a lot of the stuff that people deal with physically. Watch this. It is simply a result of a lack of emotional health. It is simply a lack of being stressed out and being stressed out chronically. But I come against you being chronically stressed out. I come against you being constantly in states of panic. I come against you living from paycheck to paycheck. I come against you struggling. Watch me. I come against your family struggles. Why? Because watch this. Something in you has got to rise up and decide that enough is enough and some of this mess has got to end. And can I tell you, it's got to end with you. You are the curse breaker in your bloodline. You are the interruption to the dysfunction in your bloodline. You're the one that's going to get done what nobody else in your bloodline has been able to do. And you're not going to be able to do it if you're walking around stressed out all the time. Lift your hands and say, I release chronic stress. Chronic stress lasts longer and it can lead to these physical issues and depression. And we talked about last week how even in this region of Denver, one out of eight residents, including children, is clinically depressed. It does not include people who have been undiagnosed and those whose depression uh, simply doesn't reach a level where it is of clinical status. It does not include those who did not accurately report because there's a stigma about mental health. There's a stigma about depression. There's a stigma about discouragement. I need to know you will never heal from what you're not real about. You're never going to conquer what you will not honestly confront. And I need you to know, watch this, there's no victory in hiding. There's no victory in being ashamed. There's no victory in being condemned. There's no victory in saying, well, I don't want nobody to know my stuff. Baby, your strength is not in the stuff that's good about you. Your strength is in the stuff that is messed up, jacked up. And you can say, yes, I got these issues, but I got a Savior. Yes, I got these struggles, but I got a Savior. And I may not be where I want to be, but I can thank God that I'm not where I I used to be your strength, hear me, is not in all the stuff that you think is great about you. Your real strength is all the messed up, jacked up mistakes that you've made. And, and maybe you've been perfect all your life, so you can't relate. But I think somebody on your road can relate to the fact that we've not done everything right. We've not been perfect. We've made some mistakes. Watch this. Even after we came to know Jesus, there's some stuff we did that when we look at it, we say, how in the world did I do that? But I think there's somebody that's grateful for the blood of Jesus. What did it do? It washed me. Somebody say, I'm clean. It's the only thing that goes on red, but it leaves something white as snow. It, it is the blood. There's no place too low where Jesus' blood cannot flow. And I need you to stop being ashamed. Stop being condemned. Stop feeling uh, like you're less than because you got some struggles. Depression is simply unresolved discouragement. It's unresolved because many people simply will not talk about it. They've gotten so used to faking it until you make it that now you're a fake. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. You got so used to pretending that now you are, in fact, the great pretender because everything about you is not legit. Everything about you is not real. Everything about you is saying Christian talk but not living Christian walk. Mm. But that is over in your life. Why? Because today I'm taking authority over this atmosphere. And today somebody under the sound of my voice is about to take authority over your life. I'm here to tell you, I don't care what yesterday was. I don't care what didn't go right yesterday. That was then and this is now. 
So, 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 so check this out. It, it was taboo. And, and here's what we learned. We learned that it's taboo because there's a stigma when we talk about stress and depression and mental health. Mental health is not a bad word. It's not a bad phrase, rather. Say it's not bad. Here's mental health, how we think, which affects how we feel, which impacts how we behave. Last Sunday, we studied a nameless man. Of course, Wednesday, we didn't get to the message. Uh, but last Sunday, not the planned message. On last Sunday, we studied a nameless man in Mark chapter 5 who could be any of us. Say, it could be me. Matter of fact, the truth of the matter is, is that in many regards, there's several aspects of this man that if you're honest with yourself, you will identify. Can I tell you what God does not like? God does not like prideful people. In fact, as a matter of fact, the scripture says he resists the proud. Can I tell you why some Christians never ever become walkers, they're only good talkers? It's because their arrogance keeps them from arising. Their arrogance keeps them from ever apprehending. And I pray you're not sitting next to an arrogant person. Shut up. I pray you're not sitting next to somebody that's full of pride and somebody that's so full of themselves that they don't think this word applies because they think they stuff don't stink. I wish that you would look at somebody and tell them, say, we need this discussion. In Mark chapter 5, verse number 2, it says, And when Jesus stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him a man out of the tombs. We talked about how this guy was living in his past. Whenever you are living on past victories, that's the greatest enemy to current ones. Whenever you're talking about what you used to do, what you used to be, what you used to have, that you, you are literally impeding your own current progress. It says, there met him a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit. And we talked about this last Sunday, that that means mentality. Say, my mentality decides my reality. Verse 3, he lived amongst uh, the tombs and no one could bind him uh, anymore. So we learned that he lives in past chronic stress. He's literally stuck in yesterday, so he cannot move into today. If you're stuck in yesterday, look at me, you will see every new person as an old person when the only old person in the equation is you. You will accuse everybody of being disloyal. You will accuse everybody of being unfaithful. You will accuse everybody of doing things that people in your past did to you. And in fact, you will project those images on new people. You will project old people images on them. So watch this. Even though there's a lion on my shirt, you will project the shirt I had on last week because you're stuck in last week. You'll miss the lion that's looking at you because you're staring at the shirt that was there last week. I need you to not get stuck in 88. I need you to not get stuck in 98, 2008, or even 2018. Somebody say, this is a new day. Oh, I says, no one can bind him anymore. He's uncontrollable. And many Christians, if we're honest, that's where they're at. They don't want to be told what to do, yet they want to win. They don't want to hear the truth, yet they want to win. They don't want to be submissive, yet they want to be a leader. Shut your mouth. They want to tell everybody else what to do, but they can't be told what to do. They want to call shots, but they can't take shots. And I pray that's not you. Somebody say, that ain't me. They like to spew out stuff and tell everybody else how they need to get their stuff together. But when somebody comes and checks them, they act like they're on an episode of Real's Housewives of Atlanta. Who going to check me, boo? That's your problem. You're unchecked, so you're un. Anything uncovered will spoil. Watch this. Verse 4. He had often been bound with shackles and chains. Leaders kept trying to help him, but he rinsed the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. So he literally wasted correction. Please understand, do not waste a crisis. Don't waste a crisis in your life. Many times we're so busy trying to get out of a valley, we never stop and say, what can I learn from this valley? 
Yea, though I walk through the valley. What am I supposed to be doing while I'm walking through the valley? Learning. What am I doing? Growing. What am I doing? Getting smarter. What am I doing? Dropping my bitterness so that I can get better. I need you to maximize every single valley. Matter of fact, I just need to check the room. Who in here can give God glory? Not for your mountaintop, but for the valleys. Where are y'all at? I, where, I, I'm not just shouting over my mountaintop. I'm giving God glory for my valley. It says... He rinsed the chains of parts. He broke the shackles in pieces. Nobody had the strength to subdue him. He got to the point, watch this, where nobody bothered trying to correct him or help him anymore because he was too difficult to deal with. Can I tell you something? A lot of times people in church, they talk about heaven and hell. And Romans chapter 1 makes a very interesting declaration. We're not going there, but just for a side note, we're going to jaywalk over there and come back to the main path. Romans chapter 1 makes a very interesting uh, statement. It says this, that for this reason... Uh, the fact is, is, is that in Romans, God was talking about how they simply didn't want to hear truth. They simply didn't want, they did not, they would reject. And then here's what they do. They'd spiritualize their rebellion. They'd spiritualize why they didn't do what they were supposed to do. And some of y'all, y'all facial expressions right now are telling on you. I, I need you, I, I need you to just come on and just touch your neighbor and say, let's just get free today, baby. Let's just get and you want to know what the Bible says God did? Here's what God did. God says, for this reason, he gave them over to their own reprobate and debased mind. God says, here's my punishment. God says, here's hell. Do whatever you want. No, you missed it. Here's hell. God says, I'm not even going to try to check you no more because you don't want to listen anyhow. I'm so glad he ain't giving up. How do I know it? Because he keeps on checking me. Is there anybody in here grateful that God keeps checking you? He keeps correcting you? Even when you try to cop an attitude, God. Somebody shout, thank you, Lord. He says, proof. God says, hell is when I let you do whatever you want to do. And I say nothing about it. That was the jaywalk. Back to the message. Here it is. Verse 5, night and day. So he's not sleeping. His sleeping's off. He keeps waking up in the middle of the night. He's waking up at 4 o'clock, opening his eyes. and Among the tombs. Now, he's waking up at 4, not because he wants to, though. Somebody shouted over here. He's supposed to be asleep at 4 o'clock. <laughs> Among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. We learned last week he's always busy, but he's never productive. Here's the question. How long was he like this? The Bible doesn't say. This man has been a man talking about what he's going to do perhaps for years, maybe even decades. We don't know. All we know is this, is that the Bible says he was always doing that. Would you look at me? Please, let's have an honest discussion on this uh, Independence Weekend. S somebody say, I declare my independence from mess, junk, and drama. Say, I declare my independence from debt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Watch this one. Say, I declare my independence from who I used to be. Watch this. Watch this. He says that, that he was always, we don't know how long he was like this, but he was crying out. Look at me. Everything in the present triggered stress from his past. So in his present, he's literally stressed out about things from his past, which is really torturous because you can't change the past. One of the most dangerous things you can ever do is be in today and still be trying to figure out how to change something that you cannot change. 
you need to just own that it is what it is, but here's what I can change, what I do from this moment forward. Maybe you messed up in your marriage. You can't do nothing about that except decide from this day forward. Maybe you messed up in your finances. You can't do nothing except from That's not where this guy is. This guy is crying out, and he's literally self-destructive because of stuff that's already happened. I need you to sit on that for a minute. Because he's self-destructive because I should have. Let's tell the truth. How many of us have ever been there? If your neighbor ain't raising their hand, they there right now. <laughs> Look at this. Say he cuts himself. So literally, this man got to the point to where he's pseudo-suicidal. Why do you say pseudo-bishop? Because it's not real. B because all he wanted to do was damage himself enough to get attention. There's a lot of people, watch this, nobody on your row. There's a lot of people, can, can I be real 915? Can I treat this like it's, it's a Wednesday? There's a lot of people whose past chronic stress makes them attention whores. I need somebody to pay attention to me. I'm going to have an attitude so people are looking at me. I need to get mad so people are looking at me. I need to say something because people are looking at me. So everything becomes, watch this, it becomes a thing of grabbing attention because you are trying to get what you never got. This man is only doing this so people come visit him in the tombs. He's only sending out weird texts so that people say, is so-and-so okay? He's only sending out weird emails so people say, is so-and-so okay? He's only saying weird things to say, is you okay? What's wrong? What's going on? And then when you ask him, here's the response, nothing. I don't want to talk about it. Well, then why do you keep cutting yourself? Why do you keep grabbing attention? Why are you always wanting people to look at you? Because you want what your daddy didn't give you. You want what your mama didn't give you. He says he's crying out, cutting himself with stones. Here's what's amazing. Stones in scripture. Can I just walk through the text? Stones in scripture. We've seen the use of the word stones before. Let's go back a few thousand years to a man named David. David, when he's getting ready to fight Goliath, watch this, David uses five smooth stones. Why is he cutting himself with stones and not a knife? This wasn't some, some day and age where they didn't have knives and swords. We know that they had knives and swords. How? Because Peter took one of the guy's swords and chopped off his ear. So they had knives, which, which, which is interesting. Why would the scripture use stones? Watch this. The man takes what he knows, and rather using it to get better, he uses it to beat himself down. So here's what he do. I'm so dumb. I can't believe I did that. <laughs> he's literally taking what he knows of the word, and rather than using it to get better, he's using it to condemn himself. So in the words of the famous emperor who wasn't that short Napoleon Bonaparte, never interfere with an enemy when they're in the process of destroying themselves. 
Because this guy got self-destructive. The devil said, I'm going to just watch him do it. I need you to not be the type of person where the enemy doesn't need to get involved because he's watching you do it. And you're taking this what you do know and using it to condemn yourself. Now there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. I need you to throw your hands up and say, I'm not condemned. You need to say it like you mean to say, I'm not condemned. Yeah, you're going to have some mistakes. Yeah, you're going to have some failures, but you're not condemned. Yeah, you're going to have some days where you say, I can't believe I did that. And I need you to get back up and keep it moving. He's using what he knows and condemning himself. Let me prove it to you. Have you ever had friends who you invited to church and they said, I can't come to church the way I'm living? What did they do? They took the word they knew and used it against themselves. I says, I says, I says, say no guilt. Say no condemnation. Here's the lesson. The lesson is because some people get into sociopathic narcissism. What is that? Sociopathic, you don't care about who it hurts. Narcissism, self-focus. So what some folk do is what some folk is they don't care what they do, how it affects anybody else. Because in their mind, the only person that matters is me. I don't care who this affected. I care about me. What are you saying? Because this particular man, as he's doing this, what's interesting is he's using the word to justify why he doesn't follow the word. It's sociopathic narcissism. See, he says, I don't care who I'm hurting, because here's my question. Where's his family? Where's his mama and them? What, what, are their cousins, brothers, sisters, pooking them? Where they at? He doesn't even care. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Watch, let's go further. It says in verse uh, number, uh, verse number six. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. In simplicity, we could say he's a Christian, but he still has issues. Say he's a Christian, but he still got issues. Verse 7, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I drew you by God. Do not torment me. Look at me. Stop looking at truth as torment because you don't want to talk about the truth. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Let me tell you something we've done in American culture. In American culture, we have mastered the art of it don't even matter. And there are conversations that you have not had that you need to have that you won't have because truth is torment. And look at me. It's only torment to the parts of you that need to die anyhow. And you shall know the truth, and it shall make you free. Somebody say, I'm not afraid of the truth. This man said, I'm in torment. Why? Because the truth showed up. And I can fake everybody else out, but I can't fake him out. You can fake your neighbor out and make your neighbor think all kinds of stuff about you. But Jesus is looking like, you can fake your coworkers out. And Jesus is like, here's what's amazing. He knows the truth, and he still wants us. See, there's some people that dropped you because of a lie about you. But Jesus knows the truth about you, and he still wants you. I need you to take three seconds and release a praise. Why? That he still wants you, even though he knows the truth about you. Man, 
He still wants me, and he knows your dirt. He knows your thoughts. He knows your mess. He know Somebody said, but he still wants me. Watch. Verse 8. For he was saying, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Let's skip down to verse 15. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, who, the one who had the legion. I talked to you about that in detail last Sunday. He was sitting there. And we talked about this, uh, that, that the man at 11.15, we talked about it last week. He was sitting there. In other words, the man changed his posture to a posture of submission. You will never be over anything until you are under something. Amen. Say submission. Submission is not a dirty word, church folk. Submission is not a dirty word, especially those of you who grew up in church because you learn how to be compliant but not submissive. You learn how to do all the right things, say all the right things, but your heart was far. Y'all not talking to me today. Well, what's this? He's, he's sitting there, so he submitted. He's clothed, which means he's covered. Which is amazing because all of this man, even as an adult, watch me, even as an adult, he's walking around uncovered. And when you're uncovered, watch this, you're often prone to unnecessary embarrassment. Why? Because everybody can see your imperfections. When, if you would have been covered, everybody would have not been able to see it because the things that nobody needed to see would have been covered. And what's the last part of this verse? And he's in his right mind. Say right mind. And you want to know what made them afraid? Not when this guy was ratchet. Ratchet is an urban colloquialism that means the opposite of everything I just said. What made them afraid of him is when he was in his right mind. What made them afraid is when this man finally got his life in order. What made them afraid is when this man finally got his life together. Can I tell you what's making some people in your life afraid? And here's what's confusing you. Is that when you were the man before verse 15... They didn't say nothing to you. Now that you're metamorphosizing, come here, evolution. Now that you're metamorphosizing, you're, you're perplexed about why they have an issue with the you that submitted, covered, and in your right mind. Now, we, we learned this. Stick with me. We learned that this man was like this because he lived in toxic, stressful thoughts. After their usefulness expired. And we learned, I gave you three R's last week to, when they're dealing with negative, toxic thoughts. Recognize them. Say recognize. recognize. Reject. Reject. Replace. Replace. Here's the question. Why couldn't a man do that? Remember how the scripture said he was always like this? Look at me. I need you to not see church or God or God's word as a way to just come and get hype. I need you to recognize this is about, watch this, not just hype, it's about change. Mm -mm. See how quiet I got? Mm -mm. Y'all playing with the wrong one, I promise you. I need you to not just think, see, here's what a lot of people think. This man was an emotional worshiper. When Jesus showed up, he started hollering. But he never let his worship change his emotions. So the danger of the scenario is that you can get so used to this that, watch this, that you no longer appreciate this because you. I rebuke the spirit of complacency. I rebuke the spirit of entitlement. Y'all not saying nothing to me. Don't nobody owe you jack. Sure don't. I don't owe you. God don't owe you. Your mama don't owe you. Jackie don't owe you. Darlene don't owe you. Right, Junior, you don't know you. Don't nobody owe you. 
Why was this man like this? Can I tell you why? You ready, 915? You ready, 915? He's a Christian Satanist. What do you mean by that, Bishop? That seems really taboo, right? Like you, That doesn't even make sense, right? Christian Satanist? That's like, you know, healthy ice cream. Uh-uh, don't y'all even be trying to say, well, Bishop, I'm going to bring you something. Mm-mm. There's no such thing. Please stop. That's like healthy white bread. Now, side note, I did really good yesterday. I only had a half a loaf yesterday. No, no, y'all better help me celebrate progress. I may not be where I want to be, but I can think. Back to the message. Watch. It seems taboo, right? But there are multiple types of Satanism, the least of which is theistic Satanism, where the devil is formally worshipped. No, most Satanists simply use Satan as a symbol representing the eternal rebel. Watch me. The one who rebels against authority. Mm-hmm. Watch this. It is the worship of self that feeds the human ego through acts of pride falsely labeled as self-respect and self-indulgement in which hate and aggression are viewed as necessary and advantageous for survival. Back that thing up. This seems really taboo, right? (laughs) But there are multiple types of Satanism, the least of which is theistic Satanism or devil worship. Even Satanists know not to worship the devil. That's why in church around here, we ain't talking about the devil this, 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 the devil this. You literally, watch this, you don't even worship Jesus, many Christians. Because we have a conversation with them, everything's about the devil. The devil is busy, child. The devil this, the devil that. Is that the devil or your decisions? Does the devil have a blue dress on? And if you have a blue dress, it's just a movie title. I'm taking offense with it. Watch. Most Satanists simply use Satan as a symbol representing rebellion. Check it out. Against authority. And it's the worship of self that feeds the human ego through acts of pride. Watch me. Falsely labeled as self-respect. I got to take care of me. Satanist. All right. Let's go to work. I need my prayer warriors praying for me right through here. We finna uproot this thing. It's about me, Satanist. When do I get what I want? When you give him what he asked for. You ain't gave him what he asked for. Hebrews 10, 36. After you've done his will, you can get the promise. You sitting up here asking God to give you something. You ain't gave him nothing. When you release what's in your hand, heaven can release what's in. Oh, God. See, See why this was a Wednesday message? Watch me, watch me, watch me. It feeds the human ego. So you don't like people who don't stroke your ego. If they don't come to your little corner in the vestibule and stroke your ego and tell you how this and how that and how this. If they don't comment on your picture, if they don't don't say nothing about your picture, and all of a sudden, They have a spirit. No, you got a spirit. 
It's called Christian Satanism. It's quiet. Self-indulgence in which hate and aggression are viewed as necessary, advantageous for survival. So this man acts like he worships God, but the truth is he worships himself. So while he's doing this, he's only doing this to get something for him. While he's doing this, he's only doing this to get something for him. I need to check the room and see if there's any of us where the word's already speaking to us where we can watch this, give God a praise, not forgetting anything just because he's good. Yep. Yep. I pray you ain't sitting next to somebody that's a Christian Satanist. God, you've been good. God, you've been faithful. God, you've been awesome. You're worthy. Somebody shout, he's worthy. Shout it again. He's worthy. Be seated. He acts like he worships God, but the truth is he worships himself. So watch me. His depression remains because of his pride. His stress remains because of his arrogance. I was talking yesterday to a pastor, and, and he said to me at the end of the conversation, he was saying, he was told me, he was, you know, dealing with you know, some thoughts of depression and all that, and, and we started navigating through it. And, and we were good. And in the end, I asked him a question. He said, you know, if I can just say it. I said, well, please. Go on. He said, you got me on the phone. Come on. And he says, I feel entitled to success. He said, I feel like I didn't put in my time. I didn't put in my dues. And like I'm owed success. And I said to him, I said, now, I need to tell you something. I said, I need you to promise me you won't get offended. And I said, if you do get offended, I need to promise you I don't care. <laughs> Got to be careful when you're dealing with, <laughs> you know. You can never threaten a man who is not in need of you. So, 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 so I said, you got to promise me. I said, I'm only saying this because I care. So if I didn't care, I would just say, wow, okay, got it. I said, I just want to help you, I said, because what you're in, it, I said, let me just tell you something. I said, I know because I've been through that. And I said, and I had, to, I had to lose to learn. I said, so please just learn from me saying it and not have to lose. I said, the reason you continually go through these depressive cycles is because of what you just said. Your sense of entitlement is why you feel like a failure. You're not a student. You think you're an expert. You're not living as a disciple. You think you're Jesus. You think you're the great teacher. And I said, can I tell you the way, the best way to live your life? I said, this is how I live my life. I'm a student every day. Every day I'm a student. Every day I'm learning. Every day I'm growing. And you know what? I, look, I'm competing with yesterday's version of myself. The day after that, I'm competing with yesterday's version of myself. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm a student. I said, this is the reason why you're depressed. And I said, this is why you continue to go through those cycles. And I said, I got to tell you, you will continue to do that, and it will get deeper and worse until you realize he owes you nothing. I said, the reason it's so hard for you to stay encouraged, and you got to, you almost like a dope fiend, you got to keep getting high. I said, the only, and I'm not knocking nobody, what I'm saying is, is that the, uh, the, the only reason you have to keep doing that and it doesn't last, as I said, because you, in fact, worship you. You didn't come to worship him. You worship at the altar of, I put in my time. 
I did this, I did this, I did that, I did this. And that is the reason why we have so many people in this region alone who feel depressed and discouraged and are in chronic stress is because you think somebody owes you something. I know I, I was going to say before Wednesday, but I'm out of time. I got to move to another series on Wednesday. So you ain't got to shout, but you're going to leave free. Shut your mouth. You ain't got to give them glory, but I promise you, you're going to leave free. Somebody say, I'm going to leave this place free. Say it like you mean it. Say, I'm going to leave this place free. Satanists, watch well, this. Here, here, here's a Christian Satanist. Watch this. Everything is about you. Your attitude is about you. Your actions are about you. Now, I know what somebody's saying, but Bishop, when do you get to the point to where, you know, you're doing everything for everybody else? See, I didn't say that. See, I'm talking about him. I didn't say nothing about everybody else. I'm talking about when do you get to the place where your actions are not because this is your will, but your actions are because look what he said. This is what I'm going to do. Say, Lord, your will, not my will be done. A Christian Satanist says, God, I know that, but this is what I want to do. This is how I want to do it. And I feel this. I feel that. I feel this. I feel that. And God says, keep your feelings. What I say do. Every parent in the room, make some noise. We salute you. Now, watch me. Here's the deal. If your child came to you, if your Samuel came to you, you know, Mom, uh, listen, I just feel you got a lot of rules. Beg your pardon? I just feel you got a lot of rules. You, we got a lot of, this is too much. Now, depending on where you're from, some parents would sit down and have a talk with their child. Which is dangerous when you begin to negotiate with an insubo with a insubordinate subordinate. Um, it's a dangerous thing. Um, some, depending on where you're from, you might discipline your child in accordance with your local, state, and federal laws. I can't say that. It is for Sunday. Wait a minute. Hold up. Oh, and I'm preaching all conservative. Wait a minute. And it's fifth Sunday off in here. Shoot. God, uh, take that belt. Y'all not saying nothing to me. The Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. I bet you every time they buck, come here. Uh, what? Move your hand. Stop hollering. I ain't done nothing to hurt you. Stop all that. Stop all that. Where you going? I know Denver doesn't believe in that, but look at your depression statistics. Is your way working? I'm just saying, obey the law. Obey the law. First John 2.15. They're going to put it up in English standard. I'm going to read it in New Living Translation and we're done. You getting some out of this word? I know it's a challenging message for a Sunday. I'm going to shout you in a minute. I, I get it. I get it. First John 2.15. Right? I know because I know it's like. 
I just don't want you to say it and not see it. And if you're honest, a lot of times, some of you, your frustration, even with God, is because you said a lot that you haven't seen. You've prayed for a lot you haven't possessed. And my job as your pastor, I would be an irresponsible, sorry pastor if I got up and told you, God's getting ready to do it. He's getting ready to do it. And didn't tell you that, wait a minute, you got to make sure you ain't worshiping you. But you're worshiping him. I'd be a sorry pastor if I got up and told you everything's about to turn around, but you ain't turned nothing around. I... So since I got an answer to him, I know that it's a direct word, but somebody say it's good for us. So they're going to put it up in English stand. I'm going to read a new living. Do not love the world, nor the things it offers you. When you love the world, world here doesn't you know, mean the ground, the sand, all that kind of thing. It means the world's way of doing things. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Stop. He says, if you want to do it like the world does it, you don't actually love me. Make this declaration. Say, Lord, I love you. Verse 16. For the world offers, remember, I'm reading NLT. They're reading their ESV on the screen. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. Here's how it reads in English Standard. He says, the desires of the flesh. New King James says, some of y'all remember it this way, the lust of the, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Look at what I've achieved. Look at what I've accomplished. Look at this. Look at God. And really what you're saying is look at. Look at me. Ooh, I figured that thing out. Child. These are not from the Father. God says, that's not me if you're giving yourself glory. Ooh, this is. That's not me if you if that's not me if you posing like you did that. You ever help somebody do something? And the least they could say was thank you. But they won't even say thank you. All right. Verse 17. Here's what he says. He says, the world is passing away along with its desires, but anyone who does what pleases God abides forever. Abides. What does that mean? Jesus said this, if you abide in me and my word abide in you. Well, I says, you can ask anything. It'll be done. Say, I'll bear fruit. Abiding means I stay connected to what produces my fruit. How long did he promise you to abide? Forever. Forever, ever. Watch this. Watch this. You ready? Watch this. This is your year of manifestation. You're going to see what you've sown for. You're going to possess what you've prayed for. You're going to walk in what you used to be scared of. Y'all not hearing me. The number nine is the number of fruitfulness. It's the number of productivity. Somebody say, that's the year I'm in. So check this out, though. Check this out. There's this song that's out. Um, I can only quote part of it. The song says, please me. That's all I can say. <laughs> it's the only part of the lyrics I can say. This section just got it just a minute ago. <laughs> They thought I was talking about a church song. <laughs> Watch me. The song says, that's all I can say. Please me. Look at me. 
Who do you spend every day trying to please? I want to submit that sometimes we're so busy pleasing all the wrong ones that if I get this right, and this is for real right, this is good. But if I got this off, everything else is wrong. See, when you try to be a better wife before you're a better Christian, you try to be a better husband before you're a better Christian. If you try to be a better mother before you're a better Christian. If you try to be a better father before you're a better Christian. If you try to be a better anything else before you're a better Christian, then what in fact happens is that you have reversed the please me complex. So now you turn it around. You're teasing and pleasing everybody else. But God. But I think I got to go. There's some of us in here. That as we get ready to step into the, uh, uh, the seventh month of this year, seven is the number of shalom. Nothing missing. Come here. Nothing broken. Come here. Nothing lacking. Come here. All is well. That baby, my focus is on pleasing God. After I've done the will of my father, then I'm going to possess. Somebody say, after I obey, then I obtain. Say it again. After I obey, then I obtain. Well, I pray that today's life-giving message has spoken life into your life. I'm Bishop Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church. And at this time, I want to extend an opportunity to you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body. That body was called Jesus. That body got on a cross and died for our sins. Now, sins are things that we do that don't please God. And they ultimately don't please God because they ultimately are very harmful and dangerous to us. Not only did he die for our sins, he died so we could have life and life more abundantly. Here's what that means. That not only do we experience God's best, but that we can speak life into other people and use our lives to change the lives of other people. And today, if you need to become a Christian for the first time, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved or born again or become a Christian. All those phrases mean the same thing. And if today you were far from God, this is your opportunity to reconnect to God. I love him because uh, he's not the God of a second chance. The truth is, is we've all used our second chance already. He's the God of another chance. He offers us constant new beginnings and fresh starts to get things right for him. He gave his life for us so that we could give our lives for him. So today, if you need to become a Christian or recommit yourself to Jesus right there where you're at, I don't care where you're listening to this message, I want you to say this with me. Say, Father... In the name of Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Because of this belief and because of this confession, if this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. Great days are here for me. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you are now a Christian. You're born again. You're saved from yourself. And if you were far from God, you're reconnected to God. And here's what I want you to do. Take out your mobile phone and text the word DECISION to the phone number 59769. And when you do, 
I'm going to send you a message right away that's going to show you how to make Christianity your lifestyle and not just a hobby. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. You are connected to me and connected to Harvest Church for a reason. It's because this is the place God wants to speak life into your life. This is the place God wants you to grow and become a strong Christian and, and serve and change the lives of other people. So stay connected, whether it's at a physical campus or a digital campus, stay connected to Harvest Church. Keep receiving this word and let it speak life into your life. Hope you have a phenomenal day. Hey, congratulations. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? Over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.